back with another episode of the Return of the Roar. I'm Brendan Nunez, Sacktown Sports Trio here. Franklin Cardicelli, Chris Watkins. What's up, Frank? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Now we got the whole gang together here. We got Chris, who is currently technically yikes on leave probably shouldn't be on here but you know he's he's happy i'm happy that he's joined us for a for a nice little over under episode chris thanks for thanks for coming on man and your busy schedule yeah this is wild i literally left for like one week and then brendan starts hosting the podcast i don't wild. know i don't know what to say wild. i guess you know this is a good message for all those kids out there see an opportunity and just jump on it so uh you could yeah glad it. to be back you could have still done it just no saying. blankets Okay. No blankets. That was fine. You insisted. I guess. We're doing over-unders today. We are... Today is the start of the NBA regular season. Sacramento Kings start their season tomorrow. I'm ready to go. Are you guys pretty hyped for season about to be starting? Yeah. I, I'm fully like... I woke up this morning and looked at the games tonight. Good slate of games tonight. Obviously, Bradley Beal being out for the Suns takes a little bit of that, you know, a little umph out of it. But very excited. Little bum that tomorrow's on the road in, in Utah. We've talked about it a lot, Brendan, as far as how much we enjoy watching games in person versus uh, from home. But um, it is nice for guys like me that are blind because I'll be able to see a couple things. But Chris, do you have a preference to watching games in person or, or from home? Um, I mean, I, I still have an affinity for watching games at home just because, like, that's obviously how we all came up watching games. And so I still, a part of me still feels like I, I don't collect the same information when I watch it like in person than when I do uh, on the TV. It's just being able to, you just get a better grasp of like what Mm -hmm. all five guys are doing. Uh, But of course, watching in person is, you know, it's its own separate experience that that brings its own unique perspectives. So, you know, either one is fine, but I still, I still do like to watch games uh, on TV. I think we should start with the win total. Mm. You want you want to get out and we're just gonna get into the the thick of it. Sure, wins, baby. The win. Okay, you want to start, Brendan? And then we can get into the details. Okay, Brendan definitely Number. strikes me as a uh, have your desserts first kind of kid. So eh, it depends on the dessert, you know. No, he does. It, on game nights, we what go into the we, we have cookies first. Sometimes we have dessert first. Keyword: We just saying this isn't just me. No, I join you as of course I join you. Those are like my pride and joy. The cookies. Some of these numbers we got from different websites. Some we kind of made up. Some we argued about. Not really. Shout out. One. The win total. 44 and a half. Last year, Sacramento Kings won 48 games. Let's go Chris first. What are Mm. you feeling? Over under 44 and a half wins. This is a tough one. I think what Frankie, you might have a better idea. What was the over under at last year? Was it like 36? I, I think it was like 30, like 33. I think it was 34 and a half. I think we have, wow. we have a, we're at a 10 game increase here this year. I'm pretty sure. That's I've been 33 and a half. Even 44 feels like a tough number. Um, obviously like with the West being so clumped together, like I, I think that's, uh, I think you're going to find a lot of Western conference teams that are kind of in this tier grouped around this 44 to 46 win total it feels like i mean 40 the the problem that i have with the 44 number is it feels like that's baking in like the worst possible scenario for the kings like 44 wins if they get under 44 that would be someone gets hurt that would be clearly things didn't go to plan that would definitely be them uh, making the play in and not the playoff 
And I'm not saying that's not a possibility, but I, I just feel like, again, that's the worst possible scenario for this team. So I, I got to go over. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that it's got to be 50. I, I could see them doing another 48 win, maybe 46, 47, who knows, maybe 49. But um, 44 just feels too low. It, it feels like if this team is going to um, be in contention in the same way that they were last year and what we all suspect them to be this year, 44 should be a pretty easy number to clear and and it doesn't feel too insurmountable. So that that surprisingly feels like a bad number from Vegas. Yeah, I'm going to say over, but I'm going to say barely only because of the West and how much they're going to kind of, can I say cannibalize itself? Cause they, the West, I mean, that's a term that's not just morbid, right? But they are, oh, no, they're going the, the West is going to be as completely cr- canceling each other out. I mean, there's going to be so many tough games every night. I think last night we were talking about it while watching Chris's Vikings beat the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, so, sir. Yes, up. sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But last yeah. night when we were watching the game together, we were talking about how even the worst teams in the West are probably, they're not going to be a walk in the park. I mean, I think that San Antonio can give you its problems. Houston has some guys now. Um, I, I think that it's going to be tough, tougher than last year for sure. But Last year, the Kings, really, that 48 win mark, I think, is a little skewered. They should have won probably 51, 52. They really blew some bad games down the stretch. So I think um, I think 46 wins is probably like a target in my mind. I think that should get them in a top top seven, top six spot. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a little over. A little over for me. I think I'm also going over. I think that I pretty much agree with Frank's number right around that 46 range. You know, I, I think that – the argument we've seen from like Mike Wilbon and a couple other people that the Kings are going to care about the regular season a lot more than some of these other teams is very valid. I, I think that that's going to be the case and they should be right around here. You know, I think that they're probably a better team than last year. I don't know if that necessarily amounts to more regular season wins. Like obviously there was the uh, lack of injuries outside of Domas's hand, but he was still able to play through it. And, you know, maybe, emphasizing the defense so much the offense hasn't been great in preseason albeit they haven't been staggering their stars so I think there could be some hiccups here and there but I think 44 and a half is a fairly easy over for me if we went real quick at 48 and a half would they get more wins than next last year you think it's too high to bet for me it is right I'd probably guess the under just to be safe I'd probably guess under if it was 48 and a half I'd guess under to be safe yeah I think that's fair. Just Next. just because we didn't do it, what what's the uh, what's the argument? Can someone make the argument for the under for the forty four and a half? Is it just injury? I it's got to be the West right? is loaded. That last year they won a lot of really close games, right? And maybe De'Aaron can't be your hero every single night. Like I I do think he's that guy, obviously, but you know sometimes those just don't go down the same rate. And yeah, health is easily the biggest one, right? Right. It's got got to be health. I think health is going to, that's what everyone's pointing to already. And I, I think there is some, some truth to it. I think if the Kings were to lose knocking on wood for everybody, but they were to lose De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis for even two, three weeks, I feel like that could be, you know, depending on what time of the year it is devastating. So um, yeah, I, I, I do think that 48 would be 48 and a half would be a little high. And I guess it's kind of hard to quantify, but like what are, what would you give a number or a percentage to like un- just underperformance being a reason why? I mean, I think that's there's decent chance, right? Like what if 
a guy gets in his head, like we've already seen kind of weird stuff with Kevin Herter, if he's not able to contribute the same way, or maybe, maybe Golden State did, did give the blueprint on how to defend Domas. I don't really think that's the case, but I don't know. To me, it would be more so you got the rest of the West got better and this team just kind of stayed the same would be underperforming quote unquote this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's about, it's a valid argument. I mean, we'll just have to see how it unfolds, but it's, it's an argument for sure. Next one we're going to go to the leader in points per game for the Sacramento Kings last year. De'Aaron Fox was at 25. So we're a little higher than that this year, 25 and a half. And last year, De'Aaron was one of 14 guys in the league to average 25 plus. So not an easy feat, but does De'Aaron Fox up his point average just by one or more 25 and a half over under points. Frank, I'm I'm feeling in my head right now, I'm seeing a 27 point per game season. That's just me. I feel like I'm seeing a 27 point point per game season. I feel, I feel like we're going to see a little more um, aggressiveness from Fox. I think Sabonis is kind of going to be more of a, even more of a facilitator. That's, this is my opinion. I think he's going to be more of a facilitator this year with Keegan Murray kind of stepping up and taking more field goal attempts. I think it's going to put more pressure on Fox and, and Keegan to, to be the main two scorers. And um, <clears throat> someone else will for sure get his opportunities. I think it'll be more, um, you know, one-on-one. Like there, there's no pass there for him. He's going to take the ball to the basket or he's going to be cleaning up around the rim. But Fox is definitely the engine that makes the Kings go. And I feel like if he is, we talk about the fourth quarter Fox aspect of his game all the time. Why does he do that earlier in the game? I think we might see a little more of, of that kind of earlier in the games, and that might mean more points. So um, I like over. I like over a little bit more. I'm kind of telling that that over line barely with like a, a point or one game, but I'm, I'm feeling 27 points per game this year. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go under, but um, it's not necessarily going to be because I think De'Aaron takes a step back. It's just going to be more of a numbers game. Like I feel like his, his – efficiency last year at the rim is something that I would love to see replicated, but it was what 60 or 70% at the rim like that with like some of the best big men in the NBA. I feel like that's going to be tough to replicate. And then also um, just the spread of points throughout this team. I feel like they did get deeper on the offensive end. So how many points end up going to Chris Duarte, how many end up getting spread out to Sasha and, you know, if Keegan takes a leap, how many points does that take from De'Aaron uh, and also the fourth quarter stuff. Like, I don't think that I, I would like to think that the Kings aren't as reliant as as they were last year uh, for De'Aaron to kind of have those fourth quarter heroics, those, you know, 15 to 20 point fourth quarters. Um, I, I just feel like hopefully, you know, Malik Monk can step up in the fourth. And again, maybe Keegan can can add some contribution in the fourth quarter goes out in the middle there. I, I just feel like it's going to be less reliant on De'Aaron throughout uh, a majority of this season. And uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be more spread out. I, I definitely still think he's going to be of the caliber that he was last year, but it, it just feels like it's going to be really hard to replicate those numbers. I lean towards Chris a little bit in this one. I, I think that 25 is just a high number. It almost feels just safer to go low is really what it comes down to. I, I still think that De'Aaron, like Chris was saying, is going to be pretty close to the same guy he was last year. I definitely don't not this is not me predicting a step down or anything like pre all-star break 24 and a half points post all-star 25 and a half he's just kind of right around here like you go month by month october 24 and a half november 23.8 december 22.9 january 25.2 and then he has this february nine games of 32 march 24.1 in april four games 23 
it just feels like a high number. And I think it's just safer to take the under and it can kind of just lead us into our next one of Keegan Murray's 15.5 points. He was at 12.2 last year. Part of the reason I'm betting under on De'Aaron is because I'm going to bet over on Keegan here. I think Keegan, even though he was at that 12.2 last year, King's third leading scorer last year was Kevin Herter with 15.2. I think Keegan emerges sort of as that third guy. Mike Brown has been saying, you know, there's still work that needs to be done before we're at this point, but he's teased the idea of like a quote unquote big three, right? With Keegan being that third guy. And I think that we need to see, not need to, but I'm expecting to see a jump from Keegan this year. So I'm taking the under on De'Aaron's 25.5. But part of the reason is because I'm taking the over on Keegan's 15.5. Where do you stand on on that number for Keegan, Chris? Yeah, 15.5 is is an interesting one. What I think he was at 12 last year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, I, I think we're clearly all expecting some sort of leap out of Keegan if it is. Uh, if it's not statistical, it's at least going to be style-wise. Um, three points per game, while it is only, some might say, just adding one more three-pointer per game, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points to add per game. Uh, that That's a pretty massive jump, even if it's to just 16 points. Uh, even saying that, I'm going to say over. I think Keegan barely got to the line last year. I'm hoping uh, that you know, with him being more aggressive, putting the ball on the deck a little bit more, he could get to the foul line. That's usually kind of the cheat code for for guys to to up their scoring total is just getting to the foul line two to three times more per game. So I, I see that for Keegan, uh, a jump in efficiency and just a, a jump in shot attempts as well. I think uh, a lot of things lend itself towards Keegan having, uh, at least in the scoring department, a, a much much better season. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're all expecting it. I, I think it's all we've been talking about all summer long is this jump that Keegan uh, is ready to make. And and I think going from 12 to 16 points per game would definitely uh, be a nice, you know, symbolic stance of, of the leap that Keegan's hopefully going to make this year. So I'll go over. Yeah. I mean, looking at his usage last year, last year, Keegan Murray took 9.8 field goal attempts per game, 12 points per game. Uh, preseason this year, he's up to about 12 attempts per game. And that's coming out to about 14.5, 14.8. And it just kind of tie it together. If you look at his per 36 last year, he was about at, at 12 field goal attempts per game. And he averaged, if you ordered to do that for 36 minutes, 15 points per game. So it's right on the nose there. I'm going to say over just because I feel like we're going to see him. I think free throws are going to factor in this year. I think we're going to see him get to the free throw on a lot more. Just looking at his free throws last year, he took 81 over 80 games, which is, that's just kind of crazy to me, but it makes sense. If you think about the fact that he wasn't really putting the ball on the floor and going to the basket, did a lot of that in preseason. And I feel like that's a part of his game. He really wants to open up. I think he said it yesterday at practice that if he gets fouled, he gets fouled or if he gets a dunk, he gets a dunk, but he's going to be more aggressive. Um, And there's like that little funny thing that him and De'Aaron have a bet going on to see who can get the dunk of the year. And Keegan said, I think his preseason dunk puts him ahead right now. Does that count? Like that can't count. It, he did. I don't know. He dunked on Clay. I, I right now he's winning, but he's gonna lose early that winning that right. He, Keegan's losing that one. I'm taking right. over. By the way, if it wasn't clear, I'm taking over. But he's Keegan's losing that one. I don't know. Keegan could get one, but I I would definitely pick De'Aaron. Well, now if you're make De'Aaron I'll try see. for it, if he makes De'Aaron yeah. try for a dunk of the year, I mean, that's that's gonna put you at disadvantage. I think. Yeah. Should Malik be in this conversation? Yes. No. No, what that was no. Quick. I mean, well, he's he's much better than both. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. It's like it's an unfair, it's unfair fair. advantage. That's fair. 
That's like, fair. oh yeah, we're gonna have JaVale and Sabonis have a dunk off this year and see who has the most ridiculous dunk. Yeah, or see who can get more assists from the elbow. Wow. Can you never imagine. know. You never can know. You the, the last thing I'll add on on Keegan's free throws, because I think it's a great point. Um, there was only 10 games last year where he shot more than two free throws. Absurd. Which is insane for a guy his size. Like be strong at the rim. And he was really good in summer league at getting to the line. I think it's really just what one or two games at Cal Classic that he played, maybe just yeah. the one even. Um, he only got to line once in three games in preseason. Ooh. I did not realize that fully. I didn't either, and that makes me a little un- a little. That's a lot very of shot attempts, like you said, Frank. But free yeah, the throw vo- attempts, not so much. The volumes there. I feel like if the volumes there, and he is actually going to the basket. The free throws will come. Um, you have to hope preseason was just you know it wasn't a precursor to that, but I I feel like that will that will come if he can do that, but. You know, we'll see. I think a big thing for both of these guys hitting the over also or an easy over would be injuries like to to one of the other major stars like De'Aaron, I think, would easily clear 25 and a half if Sabonis misses 15 games or something like that. Yeah. Obviously, he would take a massive scoring bump and then Keegan as well. If De'Aaron has to miss 10 games or something, I would imagine Keegan steps up the totem pole a little bit. I think that's a good point. Last one we got. Not last one. Not sure why I said last one. Next not one we got. Last one. Not close to the last one. Wow, really keeping it keeping it quick here. Demonis Sabonis assists. Mm. Last year, he had 7.3, which actually ranked him 11th in the league. The only other big above him, obviously, Nikola Jokic, who right. jumped up to 9.8. <laughs> And was third in the league. Um, seven and a half is the number for Domas. Assists. Again, 7.3 last year. What are you feeling? Very high, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I talked about this the other day uh, for a little bit on the show. And I kind of went back and forth. And I ended up settling on over and like significantly over. I... I I kind of a part of me believes that we're going to see a, a, a Jokic esque number out of Sabonis this year in the in the assist department. Like I, I could definitely see him climbing towards eight and a half, maybe near nine assists this year. Um, I, I pretty sure I think I looked at the list we're going to do and we're not going to do Domas point totals, but um, I would go under on his point total. I really think, again, kind of like what I said with De'Aaron going under. Um, I just think that the the points are going to be spread out so much more this year. And I think, obviously, if for anybody who watched the Kings play in the regular season last year, you know that everything runs through Domas. And I, I just think it's going to be an extension of that this year. Um, you know, obviously, last year, Kevin Herter, Keegan, uh, Malik, so many guys just built their offense around running around Domas. And you add Chris Duarte and Sasha to that. That, to me, is an easy recipe for at least another assist per game. Um, again, I, I really think that there's – I think there's a possibility that this guy's near eight, nine assists per game this year. I just think it, it's going to be a continuation on what they built last year, and and I think Domas has shown that he's more than willing to be passive, I guess. Uh, you know, he, he's more than willing to take a backseat and let his teammates take over. So I, I could definitely see Domas getting eight, nine. So for that reason, I'm going over. Yeah, because going hand in hand with my my Fox over on that twenty five and a half too. I think that's a very good point. I just think that I think Sabonis is going to be more of a point guard than he already was before, and that's what the Kings are kind of so great in my opinion. They have two 
point guards. They have a point guard and a point center, and they both operate the offense in different ways. And if other guys are going to step forward, Keegan Murray, and, and can you get a little more out of, out of Harrison Barnes? And is, is Kevin Herter going to be the same or a little worse? Either or, I think we're going to see more of Sabonis knowing what works for this offense, and that's when he sets the table. And I think that we're going to see, like Chris said, maybe eight, eight and a half. If he can tiptoe towards nine, that'd be really great. But I, I definitely think that 7.3 or 7.5, um, that should be, at this point, crazy to say, easily attainable for Sabonis in this offense if everyone's healthy. I mean, if everyone's healthy. Because, if, if again, if you lose Fox or you lose um, Keegan Murray, if you lose you know one or both of Kevin Herter and Malik Muck, if, if you're lo- losing multiple guys, I think we'll see Sabonis have to put his head down and try to score a little more. But if everyone's on the floor... I think he should be dishing out eight, nine, ten assists per game. To build on Frankie's uh, Domas point guard point, literally Sabonis brought the ball down the floor like yeah. often inbounds like four or five times this preseason, mm-hmm. and that was not even the case. Like last year, if they were in transition, they would find him, but this year we're seeing full out of bounds, bring the ball up Sabonis. So, yeah, it very just interesting stuff. I guess I'm going the other way on this one. It's hard for me to, I, I'm kind of taking the same logic I did with De'Aaron's 25 and a half. It just feels safer to bet under that. He's not going to be one of the only two bigs to be top 10 in assists per game. And I know he was 11th last year. He's right there, but like Jokic's jump, right? When he was around 7.3 and eighteen nineteen. next year, seven year after 8.3, 7.9. And then last year finally jumped up to 9.8 it's hard for me to imagine him just doing more in this offense. Like, I feel like everything he was doing last year, I'm kind of expecting to run it back. And I don't know. It's just, it feels safer to bet under to me. I think he's going to be right around this number, but it just feels safer to me. I I think that the way that it was ran through him last year is going to be the same. And that's the number he was able to tally last year. Maybe guys are more comfortable in the system. He can get a bit more, I think it's a good number, but it just feels safer to me to go under. Maybe uh, I'm drawing too much uh, from this, and maybe it's because we just watched Kevin O'Connor's clip of of him roasting Sabonis. Fired up, fired up a little me, bit. I kind of think, um, I kind of think this might end up coming down to with this number. Like, do you think Sabonis is a special passer, or do you think that it's just he he's the focal point of the offense, which obviously means like the trust that Mike Brown puts in him to run the offense says he's not your ordinary passer, but Nikola Jokic is like a generational, the way he sees the floor, he can find guys open. He's different. Now I think the question becomes is Sabonis a different, does he see the game differently than everybody else? And I think that's kind of where this is going to fall. Seven and a half feels like, if you get eight assists as a as a center, that clearly means that you see the floor different and you're creating things that just aren't there one to two times a game. I do think he's that level of passer, for what it's worth. Like I, I think that's I just don't believe in him. That's fine. That's I guess is. that's you what know? it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean the free flowing offense, everybody gets a little opportunity. It's not always gonna be off of Domas's dime. Maybe it's a hockey assist. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine that number going up that much more than last year. I think so. What you're saying is, spot. so what you're saying is, Javale McGee is going to be a, pa- a big passing guy. This yeah, year. we should have put Javale assist to turnover ratio. No, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> over, 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 over. <laughs> All right, let's do Davion Mitchell's three point percentage. This yes. has been a hot topic. He 
led the team in made threes in preseason. I want to say he was 10 of, I don't remember the number, but I think he hovered at 38% about in the preseason. I know he made 10 of them and led the team in made threes throughout preseason. Last year, off night, had a 32% rate from three. The year prior, 31%. um, And for what it's worth, catch and shoots last year were 346 this is the number Chris and I argued on a little bit. Um, a little we bit. really had a tussle, you know. 36.5. Mm-hmm. Davion Mitchell three-point percentage this season. Chris? League average. League average. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go under. I am just just barely. Um, I, I I could see thirty five percent. What was it? Do you guys have his numbers in front of you? Uh, I have his numbers from preseason. I can pull up last season too. Last oh, year was 30, 30, Last year was thirty two up from thirty one. But by the way, the preseason the final tally was ten of twenty six for thirty eight percent. Okay. How many attempts per game? I should have this in front of me, but last year listeners are here anyway. Uh, yeah. Last year he two point five. Yes, two point five. So 32% on 2.5 attempts. In preseason, all but one game, he shot at least five threes. He let it fly. That's a great number. That is a really good number. Um, it's just it's just hard for me to believe. I mean, it's kind of ends up being the same conversation like I was saying with Keegan. Like 3% jump is still a really significant jump. Going from 32 to 35 is really impressive. Um, we know he's been working on that shot every offseason. Uh, and it just takes time. Like it really does take time. I think we all see the the mechanics are there. Um, it's just kind of a matter of it going in at a steady rate. And it feels like he's going to get the opportunity. This is kind of a sink or swim year for him. And I think everybody kind of knows that with his uh, rookie extent or his rookie contract coming to an end after next season, uh, the Kings are going to have to are going to have to kind of make a decision on him sometime soon. Um, 35 feels attainable. It feels like he's probably going to take three to four per game. If we're talking 36, 37%, I just, I, I that's going to have to be something that I see with my eyes before I can fully believe in it. So I'm going to go under. For, for reference, yeah, 36 would put him above Malik Monk last year, which it's by a hair. I mean, Malik was volume also 0.359 uh, and a lot more volume. Yeah. But, but Trey Lyles, 36%. Terrence Davis, 36%. So it's like just because of the guys, I mean, and these aren't great three-point shooters, like incredible three-point shooters, but just me even gr- like grouping Davion Mitchell in there, and he, he might sh- turn some heads. I'm going to go under, but I feel like we'll see some progress. Like I feel like we'll see him jump from 32 to 34, 35. 36, 37 would be great. I'm hoping he does. But again, kind of like your reasoning, Brendan, on the other, which you might go against me, Chris and I on this one, which I can tell you are, but I can uh, tell by Brennan's little chart. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm playing it safe and it's going to go under, but I think he will improve. I think I just want to call my shot one on one of these. You know, okay. I'm playing it safe. I'm going to trust the work. It's <sighs> where's tough. Hunter? Where's Hunter Patterson when you need him to to hype you up? I think he's looked a lot more confident in preseason. He's been willing to get him up. Sometimes it's looked okay. Other times, maybe not so much. Um, This is blind faith because I agree with your guys' points that that's a big jump. And if Davion was able to make this jump, it would really change a lot for Sacramento. Like 
rotationally, you know, we're over here talking about Kobe Jones, Chris Duarte throughout preseason. Like if Davion Mitchell takes a jump as a shooter, what does that mean for Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Duarte, and all these other guys, you know, because then he can play next to De'Aaron Fox more and we all know what he can do defensively. I'm going to bet on the work. I'm going to bet that this is a guy that has a ridiculous work ethic that is talked about with some very fun and insane stories. And he did a lot of work with Jimmy, I believe it's Alapang, who is his new player development coach that's coming over from Stockton. And Brandon Payne, who's been working with Steph Curry since 2011. I'm going to trust the work. I'm calling my shot is really what it comes down to. I wanted to have one where I was like, you know, let's just let's do it. Do you you have an official prediction then on what Davion finishes from three this year? 36 and a half. 36.6. 36.5. 36.6. Okay. 36.6. That's what we're going with. On similar volume or more volume? Um, I think maybe a little bit more volume. Like somewhere in between year one and year two. De'Aaron Fox took five threes last year. He shot 32%. Davion Mitchell, half of those, 32%. Do you think he'll be more in the four or five range? Yeah, around four. So he's going to be letting it fly off the bench. I think he needs to. Unfair question. Do you think it's sustainable? Even if if it does, let's say it does happen. Is it something that just continues? Like, is he just that now? Is he a 36% shooter the rest of his career? Or do you think it's kind of one of those things that's always going to fluctuate? I think, well, I think he's definitely going to fluctuate. Like, I I think most shooters fluctuate a good bit. Like, you see it with Harder a lot, right? I think it's definitely going to fluctuate. I don't even think you can know until he does it. He has to do it two years in a row, right? One one question just about Davion without getting too in the weeds on, on one thing, but what do you think about his his release and and how what the time it takes for him to get that release? Because I feel like the more times than not we see Davion get some shots off in the perimeter, it's off of a whether it be a good pass or a cross-court look or something like that, but he's getting kind of a set shot, and he's really kind of loading with it. I'm just wondering if that kind of is the difference in why he probably can't be – like Fox is a quick trigger. Malik Monk has a quick trigger. Um, these guys that are shooters in the Kings right now, Kevin Hurd, they let it fly quick. And Keegan Murray, obviously, and we don't even have to get into Sasha. We haven't seen him play officially at the NBA level, but he also has a quick release. Will Davion's release kind of hinder him from, from getting that number higher? Because I feel like he can only get those shots off when he has enough time. Well, I only want him shooting him when he has enough time. So you just honest. okay. So you're just going off a set corner threes because that's a spot. That's his thing. I, I do kind of think catch and shoot threes, or when you're running a pick and roll, a guy goes under twice. Like maybe pull it. Like last year was 34.6 percent on catch and shoots. It's not horrible. If it's open, it's. I mean, if, if he's open, it sounds like he has a good shot chance of sending it down. So he needs good screeners and he needs to be getting off the ball, getting open. I guess for yeah. Javale McGee to throw him some dimes. <laughs> I mean, his arc. His arc to me is like the one thing that's really inconsistent. Like, I feel like we've gone through waves of seeing Davion take like these line drives to taking like the most rainbow threes possible, and I feel like that's just been the thing that I found the most inconsistent part of his game is is getting that trajectory the same every single time. Because you watch Keegan Murray, that thing's a bullet every time, and it doesn't. I, it's kind of pick your poison, whichever one you love whether it be high arc or, or straight line drive is fine. It's just, you, you got to kind of find some consistency with it. Yeah, I definitely see that. I am just betting on the guy that works his butt off and really hoping to be honest. I, I think it would do a lot for the team. If, if he was able to do that. Agreed. Sacramento Kings all-stars. Mm. 0.5. I think it's a fair number. 
And I'm going to add, if you say the over, pick who your player is. Okay. Or if it's multiple. Player, players. What you, you think, want, Frank? I'll start. Um, okay. Well, clearly Sasha has up now. Um, I, I, I think De'Aaron Fox has kind of etched his, like that kind of territory DeMarcus Cousins was in when he didn't make an all-star team. We were like, oh my God, he got robbed. And then he finally made it when Kobe got hurt and he was an injury replacement. And then the next year, he was just a part of the that equation. Like once you are in and if you're performing and you're not injured, I feel like you have that spot until you kind of lose it by that way, whether you be complete fall off or an injury. And especially with Damian Lillard going to the East and the fact that they might be realigning, um, they might go back to the NBA All-Star game, might go back to the West East format this year. I think De'Aaron Fox has a spot to lose right now. I think that's kind of his his spot. And I think it's going to be a little harder for Demonis Sabonis to to kind of get back in the mix this year. But um, last year was a big a big reason why the Kings are two All-Stars, I believe, is because of how well they played. Even though they both deserve to be All-Stars, we've seen more atroc- like bigger atrocities in, in the in the All-Star you know selection situation. So I, I think De'Aaron Fox is is my one. That's my guy. Um, two would be great, but I think being realistic, I think they're going to go back to kind of giving the Kings one because that's the way it usually goes. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely it, – it's got to be one, and uh, it's going to be Demonis Sabonis because I feel like oh. we forget that Sabonis was the lock last year for the All-Star team. Like, there, there's not really many other bigs that he's competing with. Like, it, the, the four best bigs in the NBA are Jokic, Embiid, Bam and Sabonis and and two play in the East and two play in the West. And there's not really much competition. You look at De'Aaron Fox. I mean, maybe Victor Wembanyama enters. That's the my, chat. That's my thing though. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that like a fear though? Don't you feel like, don't you think that the I NBA mean, is going to want to let's do De'Aaron Foxes. Like De'Aaron's got to yeah. deal with, he's got to deal with Luca Kyrie. He's got to deal. John Morant probably won't make it. Uh, who knows if Fred Van Fleet enters the equation. Uh, you got Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, Jamal Murray still hasn't made an All Star team. You got Bradley Beal, so you lose uh, Dame. You add Beal to the chat. You got Booker, uh, Austin Reeves. Who's who spot take last year? Uh, was John? it was, was it, it John Moran? I don't know. I can look it up while you keep going, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's easier for Sabonis to make it. And when you look at the competition that De'Aaron has in front of him, it's just. It's going to be really hard. I don't, I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, you earn one the year previous and it's a guaranteed rollover. I think that's kind of the case for, for you know, your your bigger stars like your James Harden or your Kyrie Irving where maybe you might not earn it, but you had, you kind of earn a level of star power uh, that brings you to the next year. And I just – I don't fully believe that De'Aaron has made that leap in terms of popularity yet. Obviously, I think more people are, are – he's on more people's radar, but – you know, even young point guards, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander kind of holds the crown still for being that number one guy that people think about. So I know he's he replaced. A tough competition. I know who he replaced. Boom. It's also someone we didn't name, uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, mm. right. Steph Curry yeah. as well. And also, Anthony, Anthony Edwards in the mix too. But the words right. I do think. Last point. I think the NBA has kind of started to to kind of. Fox is a guy that are marketing now. He's in the NBA commercial. I think they're kind of they. He is a guy, but you're right, Chris. And and I kind of should take in that more into account about how deep the guard pool is and how literally he made it because of injuries. But um, I do think that Sacramento is in a spot of respect within the league. And if Sabonis by some chance is not performing well, you know, and Fox is still playing well, I feel like he has to be the guy. Like, but like, but 
if if that happens. But it would not surprise me if Sabonis is, like you said, a guy for the front court because there aren't that many front court you know, players that are of his caliber. I've changed my mind like multiple times throughout the course of you guys talking. The one guy I will add to Chris's Domas point, I think Anthony Davis is right there in that conversation too. Yeah, for sure. It's just, can he meet the 65, right? Yeah. Well, are, at that are they doing all stars positions not, this year? All-Stars doing well. Oh, you're right. That's all NBA. Yeah. Are they doing yeah. positions still though this year? For the all-star game? Yeah. yeah. I, I think they're still doing front court and guards. Yeah. But okay. for, for awards, they're, they're not. I mean, they okay. real, real they should not do positions for the All Star Game though. They really shouldn't. It, it's it's a layup line. It's a track meet. We went to it last year, Chris, and it was literally sure. just a layup line, layup line, layup line. If it was just guards the whole time, I think because you know, Jokic is not an All Star Game. Neither is Sabonis. Honestly, they're not All Star Game players. players. That's why I think yeah. they should you know maybe do All Star Games that they're you know or uh, hand out All Star accolades, but then say hey, if you don't want to play, you don't have to play. You can just be an All Star. Let the let the young kids play and throw alley oops off the backboard of each other. The Kings have to win a good bit of games and be a pretty high seed to get even a single All Star in my mind. Like I, I think if they're hovering around that six spot, that they probably won't get any. Yeah, get going that. into the All Star break, you know, you're, like you're at zero. No, I'm still gonna go one, and I am gonna go De'Aaron. I think that throughout the course of like the off season and post all-star break and just leading up to this point that De'Aaron seems to be more of like the darling of the team. And Domas is like super polarizing. And I think it makes sense. I, I think that De'Aaron definitely has a level of respect. I think like bringing up Jamal Murray as Chris did is a really good point. I'd be shocked if that guy doesn't make the all-star team this year, if he plays enough games and is just anywhere close to what he was last year. So I think it's an uphill battle. I think it's going to be more difficult for Domas just because he's polarizing. And I think that De'Aaron's going to take a jump defensively this year that could sort of help his case. So I'll go one and say it's De'Aaron. But I really think there's a decent chance that it's none if they're hovering around like a four to six seed going into the All-Star break. So then are we all in agreement that one and a half, we'd all take under? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep. Next one we got rank and defensive rating. This might be the most important one on here, to be honest. After wins. Last year they were 24th on NBA stats. We're putting it at 20.5. And so we're gonna say under means better, right? Mm -hmm. And for reference, some of the teams last year, again, Sacramento was sitting at 24th. Teams above them, 23rd, Utah, 22nd, Atlanta, 21st, Washington, 20th, Charlotte, 19, New York, 18, Orlando, 17, Clippers, 16, Brooklyn, 15, Denver. The fact that they're below Charlotte and Washington is insane. Can they make the jump? Is the physicality going to be enough? Is bringing in Chris Duarte, JaVale McGee, Maybe Kobe Jones is Davion Mitchell's potentially improved jumper are all these things enough for the Kings to make the jump that they want defensively over under 20.5 defensive rating. I guess I'll start on this one. I mean, I'm going over. I think over like meaning higher than 20. Yes. Like 21 like is than 21 20. to 30. Yes. Gotcha. It's just another one of the, well, 20. Actually, let me take, let me walk this back. Let me go under, let me go under it. But 
but you're going to go with 20. Clearly you're going to pick up that 20. means that I'm right around there, you know? So I think jumping to that like 18 to 22 is reasonable, but they looked really bad in transition defense in preseason. Again, take that with a grain of salt. Rotations are very different. I don't think JaVale McGee is the rim protector that he's being made out to be. I think there's a lot of fouls that come with JaVale McGee, and he's probably a fine backup big, probably. I don't want him every single night necessarily, but I don't know that you made enough improvements for me to really bet on you being better defensively. Like It's just all about the physicality, and I don't know if we've seen this team even embrace that physicality in, in preseason, at least in games, they say that the practices are great, but it's not really showing that much in games. It's like, I don't feel like we've seen it that much from De'Aaron Fox. I feel like I've seen it. And Crystal Duarte looks promising on that end. Colby Jones. I don't know how much opportunity those guys get, but like outside of De'Aaron, I don't feel like I've noticed a big jump in physicality from these guys. And it feels like that's the main thing they're betting on. Me? Yeah, I'll yeah, uh, sure. kind of piggyback off that and just say that I, I definitely see the concerns. I definitely don't think they're going to be a uh, a defensive stalwart or anything like that. I do think that they will improve. And from 25 to 19 or 20, that's a jump for sure. I just feel like I'm really going to put some faith into what Mike Brown and his coaching staff are doing. And the fact that, again... And Brendan, you had to, we talk about how much the word physicality is just being like, it's just being like stamped into our brains. So I can't even imagine what it's going on with the players because I've never heard or said that word as much in my life since the last season ended. Since the playoffs ended, we've heard physicality pretty much 100. every time Mike Brown has spoken. Every time. And even like Luke Lauks in preseason, like I think physicality is just their theme this year. And it's easy to say things. Doing them is another thing. I totally get that. The Kings last year, they came into a situation where Mike Brown was a defensive head coach. They, that was his that was his forte. He was the architect behind the Warriors defense. They were the best defense in the league when they won the championship, their last championship. He is a defensive guy everywhere he's been. And last year was so out of nowhere that you have the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA. Uh, I feel like we'll see Mike get back to his roots this year. So I'm going to just be really optimistic here and say – under and say they're going to be a top 20 defense. I I'm more hoping that than expecting it, but you're right. They didn't make the additions they needed. They got JaVale McGee. Who's not um, an incredible. He's not a defensive player of the year nominee, but he is a guy that hopefully can give you just a little more Chris Duarte. Maybe it's just about the guys giving you a little more that they do have. And then the guys that are already under contract or returning, giving a little more, can they all give a little more of us here? And that's why we're kind of saying things like Mike Brown, possibly making a starting lineup change. I feel like they're they're at a point now where it's like, okay, we know what our weaknesses are. We have to address it. We can't address it with going out and getting guys that are Marcus Smarts or Drew Holidays or, or you know stoppers. We have to see what we have in house that can be better to get us on the right foot. So I'm being optimistic and I'm going to say they they are top 20 defenses here, which is still not saying a lot, but a start. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm trying to look at the numbers from last year and see if there's any hope essentially because i'm looking at it and the king's defensive rating was 116 uh which is is not great because i believe that's is that a points per 100 possession essentially like that that's the the difference from 24th to 20th like we're talking about or or jumping up to 19th would be uh around two points per 100 possessions which is about the gap from middle of the league to like top five 
So it, it's it's kind of tough when you when you try and frame it like that. Like if we were to say, oh, the Kings were a middle link defense last year, could they be a, a top five defense this year? It just feels like that's that's a lot of significant gap that needs to be bridged still. And and my big thing is you just look at the player personnel that they brought in this year, and it doesn't lend itself really, in my opinion, to to think that they're going to be a lot better. Like I, I think the guys that they did bring in definitely have a little bit more of a defensive focus with Sasha being the exclusion for that. Like upside JaVale has been sold as having some upside. Colby Jones has had some defensive moments or, or shows the profile of having some defensive upside. But in terms of the guys who are really getting minutes, like it's still up in the air how much Duarte is going to play. We don't know if JaVale is going to play more than 12 to 15 minutes on a given night. I just don't see the personnel changing much. And and with the personnel not changing much, that means that they're just going to have to shift their attitude, which, guys, you guys are around more than I was even last year. Mike Brown's been preaching defense since the day he walked in. I don't think that this is like some shift. They were being told to defend last year. And, and you know, I know the home and road splits were made a thing. But for the most part, they did not defend for the entirety of last season. Uh, I don't think that that changing the focus to physicality is going to change things a whole lot. I'm going to still say over on this. I think they'll be closer to 20. But um, I, I just haven't seen enough wholesale change to believe that this team is all of a sudden going to look even remotely different on the defensive end. I think it's going to be more of the same. And I think a big part is going to be that they're going to rely on their offense, potentially being even better uh, than it was last year. As crazy as that sounds. Next one we got, which I think sort of falls in line with this. And is a hot topic recently. Um, Kevin Herter starts. Okay. Last year, wow. 75 games played for the Kings. <laughs> and he started 75. We put the over under, I think we made this one up, right? 41 and a half starts for Kevin Herter. Literally, will he start more than half the games this year? There's Malik Monk. There's Davion Mitchell. And obviously, Chris Duarte is a hot topic. Some people in here may have predicted that Colby Jones could eventually make his way into the starting lineup at some eventually. point. Eventually. 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 So why don't you start then, Frank? 41 and a half starts over under for <sighs> Red Velvet. This is all, by the way, taking into account, we're recording this Tuesday morning at 1030. We are heading to practice in about an hour, so we might get some clarity on who's starting the season opener, so stay tuned for that. But I am going to just go ahead and just, I'm going to say because of the fact that there has been no concrete statement from Mike Brown or anyone really that's saying Kevin Herter is our starter, I think that I'm going to go under. I feel like we could see like a by-committee, you know, by matchup basis, like maybe sometimes Duarte starts, sometimes Herter starts, but I, I just feel like this is kind of the start of a, a transition with the Kings as far as their approach. Like again, from the defensive aspect of things too, they need a guy that can defend at a higher level than Kevin Herter. And if Kevin Herter can do that himself, that'd be great, but we haven't seen it yet. The last time we saw him um, had a tough time against Golden State, I think in preseason. I mean, I, I don't know. I know that was against, um, Utah, no, Utah, he was getting blown by too. It's just, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen him the, the forward progress yet. So I'm going to say under, but I think he'll start, you know, it'll still be like more than 30 games, I think. This game started for the Kings, right? Like if he I wanted traded, to clarify that. Uh, <laughs> just saying, uh, hypothetically. You know, yeah, maybe. I we'll don't know. We'll say for the Kings, I think. Yeah, we'll say for the Kings, sure. But who knows? Can we? Uh, I'd rather actually not have it for the Kings, but... Uh, 
in terms of the over under, not in terms of Kevin. Um, I think I'm going to go over still. Um, I, I feel like if Kevin Herter take gets taken out of the starting lineup, it's because things have gone very, very, very bad for Kevin to like to the point of it can't be fixed because I still firmly believe that I, I don't know what Kevin Herter really is off the bench. I don't know if his value is ever going to be quite shown off the bench. And if they do bring him off the bench, it's going to be really tough to try and trade off of him and, and get what you would probably feel like is fair value. So I feel like that would kind of have to be a last resort. And uh, we saw how how dedicated Mike was to that starting lineup last year. I still think he's a fan of continuity. And, and be, just because Kevin isn't necessarily giving it on the defensive end feels a little bit unfair to single him out on that unit. I mean, it, he is definitely uh, not the best defender in that unit. Um, I will not say he's not the worst um, because he definitely might be. But I, I don't necessarily think that it's – uh, as simple as putting in Chris Duarte and all of a sudden that that lineup's a, a positive defensive lineup. Um, I, it just it feels like, you know, Kevin is going to go up and down with his shooting slumps and you just got to kind of ride it out. And unless he's just missing absolutely everything and he's not getting to the line and he's not taking twos and he's getting killed on the defensive end, which he's done for a majority of this preseason. Um I, I just I have a tough time seeing Mike Brown actually pulling the trigger on on taking him out. Plus, also Duarte, like someone would have to play well enough to earn that starting spot on top of Kevin struggling. The conversation around him has been really weird to me, even just like what we've gotten from Mike Brown throughout the course of a week or two in preseason. Like it started with, you know, the second and third lineup could change at any point, but I don't think I'm going to do anything to the first unit. And then we saw him make the change of preseason, which didn't really mean anything to me at the time he did it. But then Kevin had a very weird reaction in post game, which we've talked about before. And then now coach seems non-committal to that starting group. And maybe that's just how we approach things. Cause you don't want to say something, even if he thinks like it's still going to be that same starting five, maybe you have a slight question. You don't want to say it because then if you go against it, like it looks horrible. So, you know, there could be a lot of different factors in play here. I still think that Kevin Herter is going to be the guy. I think this defense was what it was last year. This guy still shot above 40% from three last year on over six attempts a game. Him and Keegan Murray were two of only, I think it's 12 or 14 players in the league to do that. Like, I feel like I found myself defending Kevin a lot because everybody's so focused on what he can't do. But this guy is a ridiculous offensive player. Like, how many times was Buddy Heald getting his three-point shot taken away and didn't know to cut to the basket? and get an easy two. And Kevin is really good at that. I feel like he has a little bit of a mid-range game if he needs it here and there. I think he keeps the ball moving. It doesn't really stick with him too much. Um, and, he, and he's a bit streaky, but like Clay Thompson is streaky. You know, this, like, I think sometimes shooters are just streaky. He still ends the year at 40%. When his shots aren't going down, that doesn't mean defenses are not guarding him. They are still terrified of him shooting threes because that's what he does at an elite level in the NBA. So I think closing could be different. Maybe you like Duarte. I'm also not 100% convinced that, like Coach said at practice, I think it was yesterday, day before, that you're really looking for a jump defensively, even if that means taking a little bit of a hit offensively. And I'm still not sure that Duarte can, it isn't a huge step down offensively. Like the shot needs to keep falling. I think it has at an okay rate so far but I still need to be convinced of that, to be honest. And he can, 
you know, a big thing is keeping the offensive flow. And I think sometimes Duarte has a tendency to over dribble a little bit. So I like Duarte and what he can bring. I just think that this is a, their starting group played 400 more minutes than any other unit in the league last year. It worked. That starting lineup was really good. And I think you roll it back. Like, I think you roll with Kevin for a while and maybe you could eventually go in a different direction. But I think what Kevin brings is really important to this team and has kind of gotten lost in a lot of the focus on what he can't do. And I get it because there were 33 players last year that didn't take a charge and play 2000 plus minutes. 33 is a lot. I will say like Mikhail Bridges, DeJounte Murray are in that group, you know, and some good defenders. But obviously, you know, not saying Kevin belongs in that caliber of of defender, but taking zero charges in this Sacramento defensive scheme where like coach is constantly pushing for that is just not what you want. And like, there is a world where he's not doing enough of what is being asked that coach is just tired of it. You know, like defensively, he has been pretty tough, but I think he provides so much offensively, hoping the little bit of positional battle and internal battle for this spot motivates him to just be a little bit more willing I think to take charges to go vertical when he rotates and things like that, like the perimeter containments, whatever, he's not going to be good at that. Um, but it's like the rotations, clean that up a little bit, take a charge here and there to zero all years. Crazy. Not even to get run over. Like, I mean, that's not really like getting set and taking a charge, but it, it, it'd be still counts. It'd be the <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Just get right. run over. Like that's crazy. But yeah, I, I'd imagine over under half 0.5 charges is to get it one charge. Give me the there? over. Give me Give the, the over. over. Please, like one or, one or please, two. Kevin. One or please. Two. I think what this is really saying, too, is that if we, we kind of thought that if there was an opening spot in the starting lineup, it would be probably at that Harrison Barnes spot and move HB to the bench. And I think what this preseason has taught us is that it's probably Kevin's spot. That's the one that's most open. Yeah. Even though that is a good, I honestly feel like that is going to happen at some point. And I feel like sooner than later probably would be. I do. I feel like HB would be a better fit off the bench than Kevin Herter. That's just my Same. opinion. I think he actually would be Absolutely. a nice fit. Mm-hmm. So might even be more aggressive with on offense too in right. that group. So yeah, I do think Kevin's a good fit with the starters uh, offensively. A great fit for sure. So that's part of what it is there. Definitely taking the over. The last one, fellas. In season trades, one point five. Last year, I believe there was only one. It was the Kessler Edwards trade. Right before the deadline, we count player for player is a trade. Player for pit, player for cash is. Well, they they acquired a guy. They traded for a guy. Okay, you know that that's a very fringe trade, but one and a half trades in season. What are we thinking? Who's going, Tracy? You want to go first? Yeah, can I can I talk out my thought process? Definitely. Um. To me, this kind of comes down to how the season ends up playing out because I, I feel like it's going to be if the Kings see an opportunity, like maybe I, I think we talked about this the other day on, on Matt's pod, Frank, where if the Kings see an opportunity to kind of rise above everybody else, um, you know, if they if they're kind of in the middle of the pack with those Clippers, Warriors, Grizzlies, whatever, and and there's a trade out there that that Monty feels like. Hey, this team can go from here to maybe now in that top of the Western Conference and kind of eliminate the the muck of the West. I could see them making being really aggressive on a move like that. Like I, I think on the Matt's pod, I, I brought up you know Demar Derozan or um, you know somebody who who just kind of becomes disgruntled in the middle of the year. I 
unless something like that happens, I just think that the Kings again are gonna, for the most part, stand pat. I, I think that that Herder Barnes maybe Davion package is is gonna be there for the next year. Um, they're gonna try, try probably try and and fish that out to as many people as possible and and see what the best. Unless an OG and a newbie trade becomes, you know, incredibly available, I, I, I have a hard time seeing Kings making multiple moves this year. It feels like if they were going to try and make a big move, I would have guessed it would have been in the off season. Yeah, oh. I, I feel like they are going to need that big move at some point, and the pieces that would make that big move happen are Kevin Herter. His contract is pretty. You know, I think appealing to other teams. I think Harrison Barnes, when he's trade eligible, if there's a big deal, um, he, they need his contract to make the money work. Davion's got a lot of upside as a young player for a team, and he's restricted. So, like that would be like the package. Or I totally agree. I feel like I agree with Chris too, as far as that big move might not come this year. So I, I'm feeling like a one kind of one deal, like the Kessler Edwards kind of trying to to buy low on someone and try to get something from you know a player that has maybe defensive upside and try to tap into something. I, I don't know if they're going to make multiple moves, but I mean, you never know. I, I, I feel like that big move is not happening this year, but you never know, but I'm, I'm going to go under as well. I think they're going to be very aggressive in searching. It's just about, does the right guy become available? Right? Like I, I still think the OG is definitely in the cards. They clearly really liked him. I think he makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can't help, but keep looking at Paul George in the Clippers. If something goes downhill there, you love you know, PG. I, I do love PG. And I know Bomber seems like a guy that wants to te- keep his team competitive. They're just about to go into a new stadium, which in my mind makes it pretty unlikely that they get moved on from um, even Pascal Siakam on Toronto. You know, I, I think that there's interesting candidates throughout the league. And I think that the front office has shown that they're pretty aggressive in searching after things. Their name is in a lot of different rumors as they're clearly searching around and you know, this is part of the reason, like I think Davion makes a lot of sense. I, I think another team could value Davion more than the Kings do mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. I think somebody sure. could maybe talk him into it being a starting a fringe starter. Right. And I think you trade him now, it gives them a peek at him before they decide if they want to offer him an extension in the off season, mm-hmm. you know? So like, but you don't have another point guard, which is kind of, a weird aspect, I guess maybe you're talking Colby Jones or Malik Monk just kind of filling those spots and maybe you feel okay about that, but I think they're going to try. I'm going to go with over. This really just depends on the rest of the landscape of the league, though. It's going to take somebody being disgruntled. It's Toronto, man. Well, Masai, that's what it seems like. Finally feel comfortable enough to make a move because right now it's just holding on to those guys like we talked about, Chris. The Rick James, like was it Rick James or is that yeah uh, hold on. Chappelle when he's uh yeah married to uh Oprah Winfrey oh that's right hold on to his money it's like hold on to his money no yeah no. that's what Masai's doing with his defensive wings e- even if it's something smaller like Tory Craig on Chicago or like Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal right. from Brooklyn you know like I, I think that I-, I could see them making one small move and then being ready to take that swing I think eventually this group is going to take another swing yeah. they're going to trade yeah. a bunch of draft picks kevin herter davion mitchell or whatever it looks like maybe it's kevin herter and harrison barnes because you got to match a lot of salary like yep. i think eventually mm-hmm. this team is trading for a third guy Agreed. and that could be to. this year it could be next offseason it could be two years from now like they were really, super yeah. patient with buddy bagley you know yeah. 
I think it's only when that opportunity presents itself. I don't think they actively shop any of those guys. And I'm glad that you said what you just said about, you know, Dorian and Tory Craig, because that was really my next question is, has the door closed on making those fringe moves still? Like, do you still try and, you know, improve on the margins? Can we see them, you know, re-engage in a guy like Matisse Thibel or, or yeah, you, you mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith is is definitely a guy. Tory Craig's definitely a guy. Um, also, do we think that the search for the backup center is over? I mean, they, they brought in everybody uh, and their mom who was above seven foot to, to try and compete in training camp, and then JaVale becomes available. They cut everyone else, sign JaVale. Well, we've now seen a couple preseason games from JaVale, and I think all of us aren't quite sold on on JaVale being a guy who we would like to see for 82 games potentially. So it, is that door closed on the Kings maybe trying to pursue a backup center like they did for, oh, I don't know, the entirety of uh, the first half of last year? I'm not sure what Bobby Portis' contract situation is. I think mm. he just actually re-upped. But if he were to ever be a free agent, and I'm just looking up right here, that's a guy I just like. Now, as a, a backup center is one thing, sure, but I feel like he is a guy that could kind of slide into that power forward spot yeah. and kind of play by Sabonis. He is not a free agent for, well, he's a year next year than a player option. But again, with Giannis and Dame, I don't know why you'd leave Milwaukee. But I've always been a big uh, Daniel Gafford guy. Mm, that's right. I like he's him. good. Always. I might be back on the Kelly Olenek train if we're uh, hey, that's at the offseason. Just You're offense. Such Just a committing to the offense. Yeah. Committing to the offense. All I'll say about that that trade again, like the Halliburton Sabonis trade, it will be a trade that will sting, but that isn't always a bad thing. You know, if it stings, it's working sometimes, right? That's like when you clean a wound, I think. Right. If it stings, it's working. Gotta get better. I think the only happen. way you get Paul George is if you include Keegan Murray, for example. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And well, that's I, the problem with big fish hunting. Four years ago, I probably would say that's yeah, totally fine. But I mean, I think Paul George is turning thirty four this year, thirty five. I mean, I just don't I, I agree, just, yeah. Three years from now, when Keegan Murray's a perennial all-star, you know. Right, but what if there's like an a MVP Ingram or something, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I know people are going to be quick to, they're not going to trade Keegan Murray. I mean, literally traded Tyrese. So yeah, I think it would have to be a perfect trade. Though. It would. It would have it would. to make a lot of sense. It would. It would take a lot. Wait a minute. Are we not going to do my Harrison Barnes over 0.5 technical fouls before we, before we go? We could do that. That could be our close. I just want to say it real quick. Yeah. It, I'm going to go over on HB getting one more tech. And I feel like the way it's going to happen is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be like a pumped up, like play like a dunk or he's going to roar. And some refs is going to be having a bad, a bad afternoon. And they're going to give him a tee just for that. That's all I'm going to say. He'll get one. He'll, He'll get one, one against Draymond. Him He'll and Draymond get will get one. into it one time this year. HB in a scuffle? That's scary. just a little bit. Just HB, a little bit. HB is a big dude. Maybe not a That's, scuffle, but a little like. Well, they have you beef. Know. Yeah, yeah. Draymond probably it's a double T. It's a double T for sure. Okay, so that's that's exactly the way you're right. That's more realistic. Not from like a dunk and a screaming, you know, at you know, dunking that, on somebody. I, no, I, a, that's how we got it last year, right? Uh, I think last year he literally just like slammed the ball and like yelled something. Like, I think it was at himself, and he got teed up, and it wasn't even directed at anybody. So I think lame. I can't remember, but that was his first technical foul last year in 10 years since he was a rookie. So I just, I think he'll get one more this year. The seals been broken. See. The seals been broken. Yeah. That's how that works. He's going to lead the league in technicals this year. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully De'Aaron just stays out of the range of potentially getting suspended for you. How, how many, how many did he have last year? Do we have an actual read on that before we go? De'Aaron Somebody has it. I want to say it's like, I think he was close. Against suspended. I have it right here. Pull it up. He finished. Anyone have guessed? You have 12 as a guess. I'm going with 12. What do you think, Chris? 
I'm going to say De'Aaron had uh, 14 tacks last year. He had 11 last year, but did you guys mm. know his second year, that 18-19 year, he had 16? So did he get suspended really? for the game? He must I have got it in the last, last game of the year. Is 16 the number or is it after 16? It is 16. Uh, huh? I think it's 16. Yeah. Huh. Technical foul rule. God, so he's always had a horrible attitude. This guy. He talks. That's for he sure. Talk. That man it. talks his talk, and he lets referees know uh, if he's not pleased. He doesn't do it in like a, um, like in an angry way. He just does it in a genuine, like a genuinely, like how did you not? No, seriously, how did you not see this foul? Like, are you done? Like, were you watching the game? He'll go th- show his hand, his like yes. arm to a ref, <laughs> and it's either got like red on it or scratches, yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't find it. He definitely got 16 T's though, which that's very surprising to me. That's I did not even know he had that many in 2018, 2019, but he he did. So maybe final little prediction to close out. Um, First three games: Utah on the road, home against Golden State, and then home against the Lakers. What's Sacramento's record coming out of it? I guess I'll start. I've been thrown into you guys. I'm gonna go two and one. I think they beat Utah. I think they really should beat Utah. I honestly think it's going to be fairly disappointing if they don't. Like Utah's a good team. Um, don't mean I, I just think the Kings are supposed to be better, and I think they're supposed to get off to a hot start as a team that has so much continuity. You're bringing back your top eight, top eight in total minutes from last year, and then one of LA or Golden State. It could be either one. No Draymond, I think, is a pretty decent loss for Golden State. I think two and one. It could be three and zero, oh, but I'll go two and one. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that two and one. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling Utah and Golden State. That's what I'm really feeling this year. Because didn't someone have a take the other day? Was it you, Chris, that the Kings are gonna go four and zero against Golden State this year? Uh, yeah. Uh, the mm. Kings are gonna go. Uh, they're gonna sweep Golden State in the regular season series, and uh, they're also going to sweep that slate of games, and they're gonna start four and zero. It's like it's literally that easy. I mean, this is the you know oh, the, the Kings fourth games against Golden State, huh? Yeah, Kings understand that they uh you know they need to get off to a hot start. They need to take advantage of the fact that you know Golden State's got a new core of guys. John Morant's going to miss twenty five games. Uh, you know they 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 can't really be afforded the opportunity to let these other teams kind of get hot. Uh, they need to jump out the gate to start, and uh, you know if they can get through those first, what is it like three? three to five games i think they they then kind of uh the schedule lightens up a little bit and mm-hmm, definitely know, they, can, they can get off to uh to a really good start i agree that utah should be an easy win uh, of course you know those warrior games are going to be intense but uh, i'd like to see the kings kind of get off to an easy start and then uh yeah once you hit those those back-to-back rockets games take care of the blazers look i'm telling you there's a there's a shot that this team if they take care of business they could go eight or nine no to start the season that would be awesome there's no casey akpala starting this year so <laughs> very true. And a I mean, good that's start part of the thing too is yeah like they're enough they're a year more comfortable in mike brown's system we haven't really seen it in the preseason but there's got to be some level of of knowing what mike mike brown also knowing the roster like he doesn't have to go through playing casey akpala to see if if that's going to work out with this rotation he knows these guys and he knows what's going to work out for this team so i think that's going to be a big plus to getting off to a good start and last thing on my end just looking at the schedule looking at those first couple you know that first i guess three of the first four 
I think a year ago it'd be daunting. And I think now it's just a little different. It feels just kind of like, okay, Kings are playing the Warriors and Lakers. It's going to be a tough, tough matchup. Um, I think other teams are looking at the Kings and their schedule and thinking the same thing. Like, oh, we got tough. That's a tough one. So that's, it's a very interesting change in approach to the season as far as, again, I know the whole hunted and hunter um, conversation, but it, it is a very different approach. And I do like it because I'm ready for uh, some competitive, competitive basketball starting tomorrow guys like malik said man they got to play us too you know <laughs> damn straight i think great offense and uh likely a still pretty bad defense you could win any game and you could lose any game is kind of what it comes down to for me but that's Sing a new song brendan Jeez, a new song no 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 don't think so don't think that so. all last year no you were and you were definitely right and they haven't changed yeah. much of anything. <laughs> so definitely gonna stick there that's going to do it, though. We got to get to practice here soon. Um, Chris and Co. 10 to 2. I'm sorry. Styles no. and Watkins. Styles and Watkins. Right. Premier Thursday. 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 10 o'clock. 10 to 2 every single day after Thursday. Uh, every single weekday, I should say, Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. God, I'm doing a great job of promoting this. It's all right. 10 to 2. Uh, myself, uh, Chris Watkins, Alan Styles, uh, straight from the Bay. And we'll be talking about everything. Uh, I'm seeing in the middle of this podcast, Giants hired Bob Melvin. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out Bo Mel. Bo uh, Mel we'll back in the be Talking about that on Thursday. Uh, definitely mentioned something about the Vikings beating the Niners. And uh, oh yeah, we'll we'll uh, be reacting to opening night, and uh, should be a good one. There you go. And Frank and I got our work up on SacktownSports.com and. Uh, Take a look at our accounts on socials as well. What do we got? Chris M. Watkins, F. Cardicelli, three, Brandon yep. Nunez, NBA. I got that yeah. down, I guess. The big three. The big three. The big three. The young. Uh, we got to come up with like a yeah, a cool name. We'll figure something out. Well, like we'll the, ask someone to make something up for us. Yeah. Maybe like something maybe, trio. Something that starts with a T. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm sure if we ask Deuce think. to think of a nickname, he'd love to think of a nickname. Well, yeah. No, I think we should come up with our own. I don't know about maybe, it. Maybe someone opinions. else. Yeah, yeah, maybe someone else. <laughs> but that's going to do it. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, tune in to Sacktown Sports 1140. Check out the work on the website, sacktownsports.com. And we will be back in not too long, a week at most. Probably Tuesday. Yeah, probably do Tuesday. Something like that. And then we'll so. do another one with Chris later in the week. We're, we're going to have to get on that schedule, but definitely every week. Yep. And season is underway. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, Like and follow on whatever listening platform you're on, and we will talk to you guys a little later.